The Sound of Design with Mark and Dan, the podcast that takes you on an exhilarating journey through the captivating realm of custom technology. Don't miss out on this thrilling auditory expedition into the mesmerizing world of custom technology. So thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, I'm very excited about today's show. Uh, We have a topic that I'm really excited about, and that is the upgrade show. Upgrading. Everything is all about upgrading. And the reason for this is a lot of times we think about systems and we think about uh, building a system. And as designers, we kind of think through like parts and pieces and things along those lines. And the problem is that not everybody has an unlimited budget. Right. You want good stuff. But you can't drop 30 grand. You can't drop 20 grand or 15 grand or whatever it is all in one shot to just do it all up front. Now, some people can. It's great. Awesome. But a lot of folks are in a position where it's like, what if I just had like three grand to start with? And what if I just had, you know, a little bit? And what do I do over time that would enable me to get maybe one day to the $20,000 system? But I can't do that all at, at, at once. Um so let's start with uh, stereos, because stereos are a great place to begin. This has been a huge thing that's kind of been going on, I would say, within the past five years. I mean, you and I working inside of a location, people walking in all the time, wanting to do a turntable stereo setup, right? And a lot of times, I mean, there's, there's, you type turntable in Google, there's 100 million options that pop up. And most of them say do it wireless or this, that, or the other. Um, but, you know, talking about being able to, you know, make it the best at some point is a big deal to, you know, both you and I. And both of us, I think, started out with really decent speakers. And now both of us have really good speakers. But we have the same amplification that we got kind of in the middle of the road, if that makes sense. Um, just because we we kind of have the idea of upgrading versus, you know, not. Uh, so where we'll start with, you know, if you come in and you say, hey, I want to do a stereo setup because I want to do a turntable or whatever that is in my office or my kid's room or this, that, or the other, but I really want it to at some point be that sit-down experience. Um, you know, if you go into a retail store, you're going to see a lot of all-in-one options and all-in-one options are great for the price point, but not great for that end game. Um, usually they're kind of cut off to be only built into themselves. So, you know, you don't have a lot of options in adding different speakers or adding more amplification. Um, looking into upgrading just makes your life a little bit easier. Um, Typically, we would recommend something like an integrated amplifier, which is going to give you two channels of power and source connectivity. Um, But that integrated amp having the ability to add additional amplification down the road. I mean, is that kind of where you would start? Yeah, absolutely. And, And I'm glad you started with integrated. And so when you build out that kind of a system... An integrated amp from Rotel or Mac or whoever, it doesn't matter. The key is you're looking for stereo outputs, right? So on the back of the unit, there should be an RCA output, 
there's or an XLR output, and that gives you the chance to add more amplification. And then when it comes to the inputs, most of the integrateds are going to have a pretty decent phono preamp built right into it. Now, could you upgrade it later? Yes, absolutely. Yep. But does it get you started today? Yes. Right. And exactly. It's, and it's really good. <laughs> um, and then you'll have RCA inputs and typically one or two digitals. You'll have an optical or a digital coax. Um, and just so that way you can kind of imagine these things, you know, the optical is that red light wire. So if you've ever seen that on the back of your television or you've ever looked at uh, that connecting to a sound bar, um, digital coax looks like an RCA, the red and white wires that we've all seen from uh, back in the day. That's an RCA style connection. So that's pretty easy. You just have to remember that the digital version of that is just one wire. Of course, RCAs, red and white, so you'll see those. Um, and so you can connect a CD player, you could connect a streaming uh, device, you could uh, like a Sonos port or a Blue Sound node or any of those kinds of things. Uh, but if you don't start with that integrated, then you don't have any power. And so you need that because it also has, most importantly, speaker level outputs. The amplifier is built into that box so you can connect a pair of speakers. And so really, when you look at your, your, your shopping list, you're going, all right, I got an integrated amp, I got some speaker wire, and I got a pair of speakers. And that's actually pretty much where you need to start. If you get from Marantz or some of the others, they even have streaming built into them. Yeah. Right? Bluetooth is, is there. So you really actually don't need anything more than that. Right, right. And, and a lot of these spaces, too, I mean, you know, we haven't got to the speaker upgrade part yet, but, you know, a lot of times while we're just talking about stereo right now, a lot of times this is going in a main space where eventually they may want to do some type of surround sound. And a lot of what we've talked about can also kind of be eventually adjusted into doing some sort of TV audio slash surround sound option. So um, it does leave you open to, you know, more things down the road besides just this two-channel setup. Yep, yep. So, all right, let's say we get our integrated amp and pair of speakers, little speaker wire, um, and I wanted to upgrade that system to have a turntable. Obviously, I got to buy a turntable. What, where would you start there? I would look into, you know, something that's going to be a mid-tier turntable, Specifically because they're going to have a lot of options for upgrading all of the, the components within that unit. Project is a big one that comes to mind. Um, their debut series, the, the debut Evo, I think is the current solution out there. $500, five to $600, $500 to $600 turntable. Gets really good reviews. But the cool thing about it is that in a year or two, if you're like, hey, I really want to upgrade the, the platter, uh, you can go from the standard one that it comes with to acrylic. Uh, hey, I want, um, you know, better uh, cartridge or something along those lines. Yep. So you can come in and grab yourself a different, you know, if you want to go to one of the higher end Ortofon or something like that to attach to it, you're not really locked into just having the box that you bought for the $500 versus any of the ones from, you know, your lower end tiers, they're just going to give you maybe the ability to add a, a slightly better cartridge, but you know, for 250, 300 bucks, you're kind of stuck with what, what you, you have. Get. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, and their direct drive, usually the direct drive turntables, I'm not saying all of them, 
usually they'll have not a lot of upgradability options, even from the, the, the platter. You know, it's just kind of the motor's built into that, so you don't really have the ability to change it out in a lot of options until you spend a lot of money. So, Yeah, and I like the fact that you mentioned upgrading the cartridge because that's probably the main piece that most people are going to be able to do themselves. Mm-hmm. I was at a guy's house a couple of weeks ago, and uh, same kind of thing, project turntable, and he had a friend of his had mailed him a cartridge from 1983, and it still had four wires and it yep. still connected <laughs> and it sounded awesome. And I was like, yep. oh, my goodness, this is so cool. Um, and, and so there are, again, in the field of audio and in, and in stereo, it's a much longer view. It's a really long term kind of a game. And so uh, you can run an, a stereo for three or four or five years and then do your upgrade. So it's not like. Oh, I got to do this in six months or I got to do this in 18 months or anything along those lines. Uh, I think the thing I would probably do next in terms of upgrade would be the power supply. Um, Because I think there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of issues that can happen feeding food into your sources. Um, And not everybody has a huge CD collection right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first thing that I would do is probably add... Uh, after that turntable, I would add an updated power supply. And this is also kind of practical because everybody knows when you plug in a system, you're going to have a lot of power cables. You got to plug in your turntable. You got to plug in your streaming source. You got to plug in your integrated. Yep. You're going to, and you need outlets. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, like one of those foundational pieces to a system is a Furman. Panamax, Elac. I mean, you pick a. It doesn't matter. The new Audio Quest ones look great. Those just got launched. Oh like, my like, goodness! Like a week ago, we were both of us were like, "Oh, <laughs> thank God, another option besides super high end or yeah, kind of entry mid tier." So yeah, since the pandemic, yep. it's, it's been very slim pickings yep. for uh, something that is less than five hundred bucks. That sounds good. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Because I mean, all the Audio Quest ones, other than like their little. I'm going to say power strip. It's not a power strip, but they're borderline power strip looking devices, the power quest series in that two to $300 range, but they didn't really look good in a rack. You know, they didn't really look good anywhere. Uh, so these new ones are, you know, they look like a nice piece of equipment and they're, you know, in a really good price range. So, yeah, well, and I, to be fair, I have one of those. Yep, and it's I do tu- too. It's tucked underneath my bed. Yep, <laughs> for that exact mine's reason. underneath <laughs> my desk. Like you can't see it. My desk has a bottom tier that you know has shelving on it, and I, I have it shoved up underneath there because it doesn't look good. Yeah. I have a a Panamax in the rack part of my desk that looks really nice, yep. um, but it had like six outlets on it, so I, I needed more. Needed more. You know? yeah. that's exactly right. So. All right, we've got uh, the turntable we've added. Um, we've got a power supply that we've added. Um, and that's going to also do not just protect your equipment, but uh, eliminate some of that uh, noise and distortion, uh, electromagnetic interference. And uh, this is the point where a lot of people will say, well, that's you know all baloney and that doesn't matter and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And i just like to take 10 seconds to say I have in my own house um, a very noisy uh, coax line. And when I had Comcast, uh, or now Xfinity, um, and I had a cable box running, it introduced a line of distortion. And I ran it through just a basic Panamax. And I mean, like, entry level. And I took the video of it. 
it was unbelievable how noisy everything was. There was like this very slight hum. Uh, it's kind of like if you're a musician and you've turned on a guitar amp and you turn it up even though you're not playing anything and so you can sort of hear this underlying buzz that yeah. zzz, yeah. right? And that's what it sounded like. And I plugged it into the Panamax and it just dropped. It was barely audible, but it was, but it, it was just night and day different how much it cleaned up. And not everybody's going to have that, so I understand. Um, but it does uh, make a big, big, big difference. Uh, yeah. what, what, where would you go next? I mean, your next step would be, in my opinion, you know, speakers are going to be kind of your next thing. So a lot of us, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about when you're building a system, kind of do that, you know, 30, 30, 30, and then that extra 10%, you can kind of go up and down. Um, that's a great place to start. If this is a, this is something where this is only going to be a two channel system, it's going to be in an office. It's not going to be used in a surround sound. Then your speakers are probably where, you know, this differs between most people, but where I would spend a little bit more money knowing that these are going to be maybe your end game until you decide to sell those. Um, if it's going to be something that could potentially be a surround sound, you know, we can talk about that, but well, and we'll get to surround sound. And I like the fact that you're saying that because, um, I think I would disagree and, agree with you at the same time. Yep. And this is the best part about this is that you can do it how you want to do it. Yep. Because to me, the next place I would do, I would go, it is, is probably going to be the amplifier. Yeah. And the reason why I'm going that direction is because the better your power, the more food or the better quality food you're feeding your speakers, the more you're going to get out of them. And so you're not wrong. No. You're just going two different strategies, right? Yeah. Like, it, 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 and I've found that the more power I've added, the better those speakers ultimately will sound. And so you can bring new life out of an old set of speakers by adding another amp. And so uh, I'll bring up this idea. If you look on a decent set of speakers, okay, and most of our manufacturers are going to be like this, they have two sets of binding posts on the back. There's an upper and a lower, and it's treble and bass is the easiest way to think about it. That's not perfect, and for those who are super technical, don't worry about it. I know it's not, but for those who are new to the idea, this allows you to hook up one part of your integrated to the upper using a set of speaker wires, and the second amplifier goes to the bottom of that set of speakers. And so you double up the amount of power that you can get to it, and this in turn produces a clearer and more accurate sound. It's not just that it's louder. It's that it's clearer and more accurate, even at low-level volumes, because now the amps don't have to work as hard because you've got double the amount of power or however the math works based upon the amp that you buy. And so you still have really good processing. You still have your turntable. You still have your unit. And so if you haven't upgraded your speakers, now you've upgraded your amp. And yep. if you want to flip-flop that, that's great. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I mean, I've got to tell a story about the first time that my first real set of speakers that I ever bought was, uh, from a, it was from a, a girlfriend at the time, their, uh, father worked at a church and they had been donated several pairs of these tower speakers. Now I got them, you know, for a pretty good deal. I was a college student, so it was, you know, money was tight, but I wanted a really good pair of front speakers. Um, and later on they ended up being white van speakers, which now I know what they are, what they are, <laughs> but they were tower speakers that had 
um, mid range, um, two tweeter, two mid ranges, two tweeters. The, the mid ranges were Kevlar. Okay. And they had passive radio or passive woofers at the bottom. And I just hooked them up. Like I knew how to hook them up before I started doing this job. And then in 09, I moved to Nashville and, you know, started working and, uh, realized that biamping was a thing. And that at the time I had an, a receiver that I did this with, but I still do it today with multiple two channel amps in my system, um, by biamping them. And it made these $175 pair of speakers sound like a thousand dollar pair of speakers. It, it, the sound stage was incredible. Just how I could take a system that sounded like I was like this listening to it and sounded like it was filling the entire wall. It's, it's a huge, huge upgrade. And by doing that with separate amplification, it's even better compared to how I originally used it. So I kind of wish I wouldn't have skipped over it because this is a great point that you're making. Like amplification is, is where it's at. And if you can buy amp, it's going to be even better. And it gives you the ability to upgrade into that bigger system down the road. So, well, and, and I had this conversation a few years ago. Uh, one of the guys that we work with, uh, he and I are probably on the opposite side of every coin. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, which makes for a great conversation because you get to learn uh, a lot from each other and you get to learn what the way that other people uh, think about things. Anyway, but we both kind of came to terms on this point when it came to power. You really can't hear a difference once you kind of double the price point. So if I have a thousand dollar set of speakers, okay, and I put a thousand dollar receiver on it, when I go to two thousand dollars in amplification, I'm going to notice a difference. But that set of speakers can't really produce the sensitivity necessary if I put ten thousand dollars worth of amplification on it. There's going to be this limit, like they're not sensitive enough. And so you could have a great set of speakers at a thousand bucks, but you can't do ten grand in power to upgrade that you'll it'll top out at the speaker's limitations and all gear is like that the digital analog conversion the sources that you decide to put on there your turntable yes you can put a $400 turntable on a system you put it on a $30,000 system you're bottlenecking <laughs> what that $30,000 system right, is right. going to be able to do so uh, even though we do want to upgrade this is I think that 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 point to say we need to Think about how much we're going to invest in order to keep it relative. And this is the key. If I have two grand in amplification, I could put a $4,000 set of speakers on there. Like, and I would get out what I put into that system. There's, there, you don't really start getting into the law of diminishing returns until you start getting into that you know, ten dollars or $12,000 component. And, and then at that point, the gear is so sensitive that you're designing it with other 10 or 12,000 or $15,000 sets of equipment. And so we're not losing anything. You're just matching the level of performance where you're at. Right. 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 I, I will say one of my favorite things that we did when we first uh, kind of upgraded our location and got some Macintosh. I remember we had the, like, the SMC 600s or something. Yeah. 601. 601s. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> We didn't have our display speakers, which were going to eventually be 801 or 802. Oh, sorry, 800 D3s. I think is what they were going to be. But we they were just they were just announced. We didn't we didn't have them yet. So we're like, hey, let's just see what Motion Four from Martin Logan yep. sounds like. <laughs> and 
did they sound like they were you know worth the, the whatever we had sixteen thousand dollars in amplification on these no, no. but <laughs> i'd never heard those speakers sound so good in my life uh, and that's a four hundred dollar pair of speakers or five hundred whatever they were at the time so yeah five hundred dollars speakers with 16 grain and amplification was it worth it eh, but uh, <laughs> i still thought they sounded awesome uh, that's fair that's fair and so i i would say the next place uh you want to think about your upgrade um let's think about it maybe from a, a more specific perspective if you had a pair of bookshelf or tower speakers and you wanted more bass yeah what would you add <laughs> a subwoofer a subwoofer woofer yes um yeah a lot of folks you know we, we always would talk about when they come in let's get you a uh, if you want some extra bass get you a pair of tower speakers now and then add a subwoofer or two or four or however many you want to do down the road um because you're gonna get great sound out of a pair of tower speakers especially or a mid-tier premium set of bookshelf speakers but you can all and you can always add more bass later with those subwoofers. So, um, rather than spending all of your money up front and going to an entry level pair of speakers or a mid tier pair of bookshelf speakers, not getting good bass or spending it a little bit of money on a two three hundred dollar subwoofer, spend that money on a really good pair of speakers and add that better subwoofer down the road. You know your next bonus check or whatever it is that you want to yeah, do. Christmas birthday. Right. Right. You know, day off, money, whatever you want to spend. <laughs> right. Uh, Where do you work? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Um, so that that's just going to make your system sound that much better. And a great subwoofer can make a really good system sound like a really great system. If that, if that makes sense. I don't want to get too twisted up with words. But, I mean... I would typically recommend in most systems in that mid tier, mid five budget at minimum 850 to a thousand bucks. Yeah. You know, and I know people are going to be like gasp, but you know, that subwoofer gives you a lot of cases, the ability to EQ it to the room yep. using an app or, you know, some other type of, uh, um, EQ app that's built into it. Um, it's going to give you, multiple settings, night mode, music mode, movie mode, um, that you just don't get in those entry level price point subwoofers. Um, and you know, the entry level price point subwoofers also don't really give you the ability to make them sound good in most rooms. They're just going to be loud, airy woofers, right? Yeah. And and I want to, we're going to throw the entry-level subwoofers under the bus a little bit. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but sometimes you got to speak the truth in love. Yep. And <laughs> this is one of those times where you say, all right, well, what does a $300 subwoofer really get you? Maybe it's an 8-inch woofer and 100 watts of power. And so the problem is that it's not enough power to actually push that driver. And the driver material is typically so thin and flimsy, it's not very rigid. And so that ends up being kind of a loose sound it's just kind of like putting a piece of paper uh, over the exhaust on your car like you can imagine it just is gonna flop all over the place yep and so when you bring up the price point it's not because we're talking about the dollar but what happens at that level 
is you get an aluminum driver or you get a solid driver. You get something that's woven like a Kevlar or something along those lines. Uh, you get something that's going to be designed to be very stiff and very rigid. And then the power that you get in addition, okay? So think about this for a split second. Integrated amps. Let's say that you get 60 to 200 watts per channel in your integrated, depending on the level that you go with, okay? Right. But that's where most of them are going to be for an integrated. I don't know of a whole lot of integrateds over 200, okay? No, not many. All right, so now think about a $1,000 subwoofer. You can get a 500-watt or 750-watt or 1,000-watt subwoofer in that range, okay, that, that price point that we talked about. And now that's a peak rating, I understand. So you're getting an RMS of 200 or 250, 300. You turn it up, you can get maybe 500 RMS, which is root mean squared, average power level. That's kind of that's what we're talking about. So you're doubling up the power, just like adding that other amp. But now you're getting the low frequencies as well. So if you listen to hip hop, if you listen to classical music and you have an organ and you want to hear those really, really low notes that an organ can hit, all of that stuff is now available. If you play video games or you watch TV, all of the rumble, all of the explosions, every single time there's an impact, it's like the cherry on top, so to speak, yeah. is what the subwoofer is going to give you. Uh, so it just gives so much more to the system because you have so much more power that's there. And I love the fact that you said do it later because absolutely, if you have a cheap subwoofer, there's only so much that you can get out of that just from a pure physics perspective that I feel like you're throwing your money away. It better to just have good speakers yep. and you don't get the base yet, but you get it later. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and if you took that, you know, if we're talking in that, you know, entry to mid tier floor standing speaker, if you take that extra three to 500 bucks, that can get you in some cases a substantially better pair of speakers. That's correct. You know, and, and one or two of the lines that we, are, are normally used to. So, um, yeah, and we're not talking about five, $6,000 pairs of speakers. I'm talking like 1500 to $2,000 pair of floor standing speakers yeah. that, you know, that extra money can get you larger drivers, which are going to give you, we wire them properly, better total amplification and, and give you that fuller range of sound, uh, compared to not right. Yeah, and, and that's why I think the whole point of today's episode is really about taking a long-term view. Yep. Approach it from this perspective. Where do I end up at the end of 10 years or 20 years? And then you start to say, okay, I can decide a little bit more accurately what's going to happen because this is not a trip-driven technology. It doesn't change every two years. So, all right, uh, what's next? What else would you upgrade specifically in a stereo system? Sure. Uh, we kind of hinted on it earlier, but, you know, we were talking a little bit about sources that you could connect. Um, you know, if you went with, uh, you, know, you mentioned Marantz earlier, some of those units, the integrated amps have streaming capabilities built in, but you're only as good as, as your weakest link. And do you think that, no disparaging a, a company like Marantz, but do you think that they spent that much money on, you know, an integrated amp to put in their network streaming technology? Probably not. And it's also adding noise to your system um, by utilizing that. So by going with a piece of outboard gear that's going to have better digital, digital analog conversion um, and 
in some cases, you know, uh, better connectivity, you know, you may want to utilize the digital an to analog conversion in that. So you're going to use uh, an anal a better analog connection outside of that. It's just going to help you with everything all around. Uh, and usually the built-in components don't give you as much options as far as what you want to stream to it. And while, I mean, you can open up and type in music streaming online, there's hundreds of options out there outside of the big two or three that most of us don't think of. And sometimes those big two or three aren't one of them in a built-in scenario. So by adding a piece of outboard gear, like a blue sound node, that's the one that I think, you know, most of us like the most just because of its DAC quality and affordability. Yep. Um, or, you know, Sonos is a, probably the biggest one in the room. If you want to talk about the big elephant out there. Um, but in my opinion, the Sonos port was a big upgrade for them and, you know, they continue to update it with software. So, yeah. And, and I agree with you and it doesn't necessarily have to be streaming from a piece of outboard gear, although that's very easy to do. You could also put a computer with a nice digital analog converter or an audio interface. Um, <laughs> and you know, uh, I'm going to kind of dip into the pro side of things a little bit. Uh, if you were to get a two or $300 audio interface, uh, from M audio or Focusrite or any just basic, I mean, you don't have to spend $1,500, right, right. <laughs> but just get a decent, uh, interface and hook that up to your system. Uh, your computer can be a phenomenal, phenomenal source. And quite frankly, that's how I listen to most of my music is I'm working, I'm on the computer already. And I launched my favorite music streaming service. Um, and that goes through the digital to analog converter or the interface that gets connected to the integrated amp. The integrated amp is going to my speakers and my subwoofer. And so I get a really fantastic, really clean sound. Um, and that's the thing to me that going back to what you said, you're only as good as your weakest link. And here's this idea that you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind. It's all downhill. It's probably the best way to say that my source being really good and really accurate means that my integrated amp can be a really good processor and route the signals the way that they're supposed to. And I'm going to have good food that's being routed. And that means that my amplifier is going to have really good food that it just received. So it's going to make good food bigger or louder. Right. And that's going to mean that those speakers can be a lot more accurate because they now have this really good food that they've got a lot of power. They can really produce a very clean sound. And so each stage, each w component positively affects everything downhill or downline in that system. What about acoustics, Mark? Acoustics. That's a great one that most, uh, most of us probably don't, I don't want to say don't think about, obviously it's something that you're thinking about, but it's a lot of clients don't really think about it. You know, they build these new rooms or these new houses and they're like, hey, I want to put, you know, X thousand dollars into the system. But if your room isn't properly treated, um, the speakers aren't going to sound good. You know, they might sound OK, but they're not going to sound good. Uh, one of my one thing that just came to mind, you know, probably seven or eight years ago now or more um, had a client that was you know, obsessed with this $2,500 pair of bookshelf speakers that we had. And they came into our location. I, I probably met with them and went to their back and forth to their home 
several times. And when I went to their home, I'm like, hey, you have the room they're putting this. And it was just a little den type area. And the ceiling was arched with wood paneling. Okay. And that was the first thing that I brought up. It was like, you're going to have a lot of sound reflections off of this ceiling. And so much so that you could even go to the other side of the room. And if you looked up and whispered, you could actually hear it on the other. (laughs) And they, they're, they're like, well, you know, I think we'll be fine. I'm like, you know, okay, well, you know, no calibration software is going to be able to fully eliminate the reflections that you're getting here. We need to do something to soften this, or we need to move the speakers to another part of the room. Like, no, I swear it'll be fine. So selling the speakers and immediately into that day after we install them, Hey, this, there's like this really twangy (laughs) echoey sound that I keep getting out of these. I'm like, it's, that's, it reflecting off of the ceiling. Um, so in, we ended up selling them some sound treatments. Now they had to do clouds. Sure. Because that's where the yep. source of the issue was. Yep. Um, but even in my office, I mean, my office is probably half the size of this space that we're in now. And just adding a couple of those sound panels has really made a difference in some of the recordings I've done outside of our podcast even. Um, and I have, you know, two or three, so you don't, I didn't have to spend 10 grand on audio panel or sound panels yep. and they're usually pretty affordable. And if you're the do it yourself type person, you know, yeah, you, you can get away with can, a lot. Quite yeah, honestly, you can, you can. <laughs> yeah. You and, can. And, and as a proof of concept, uh, these panels were built by my wife and I on a Saturday and, you know, we spent some money. We had to get some, some wood from home Depot and we had to pull out the saw and we went to Joanne fabrics. The key for us was, we got the right material from one of our acoustic vendors, acoustic geometry. And so I got some of the actual correct absorption material. And I love what those guys do because it's, and I've had Oralex, I've had some of the others, and you've seen people, they put up the foam and, and things like that. And if you have a more modern space, that works. You can make that kind of work into the decor. Uh, but if you have a more traditional space, you're going, I don't want to see these ugly panels. And it's because it's your home, and I get that. And so I would just encourage people to think a little bit more creatively. What really is a sound panel? But a lot of that absorption is recycled cotton, okay? And so if you have a traditional home, and you put a couch with a little bit of texture on it, you have pillows with some texture on it, and you have a rug with some texture on it, and you have curtains with some texture on it. And before you know it, they're going to do the same thing. Maybe not as well as a proper sound panel, but it's going to take a huge, huge uh, dent out of the reflections in that particular room, and you're going to notice it right away. If you walk into a space that's full of traditional furniture, you're going to not hear a lot of echoes. And the whole point of this is to say, that becomes the way your speakers can now be focused. It's like adding a lens on a camera. It's uh, the magnifying glass of what the speakers are able to do because you're no longer distracted by the, all the excess reflections that are in that, in that space. And you're so used to them, you don't even know they're there and, until you take them away and then you go, oh, everything is so quiet and clear and clean. And (laughs) it's like, I have a brand new stereo system because uh, I've treated my room, so. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I mean, being able to control the reflection points is super important that, again, 
a lot of folks just don't think about it. And, you know, not because they're not thinking about it on purpose. It's just like you look at any, any company that sells this type of stuff and they're never saying, Hey, buy sound panels. They're saying, Hey, buy these speakers, buy this audio box, buy this streaming box. Right. They don't say, Hey, treat your room. Yeah. That's and what we're here for. And, and that's, and, and it's <laughs> holistic design really yep. at the end of the day, it, all of the components have to work together yep. in order to make a system. And I don't begrudge a speaker manufacturer for not pushing sound panels, but I guarantee you if you were to call them and ask, they would all look at you and go, yes, I love you. Put treatment in your room. <laughs> My speakers will sound so much better. Yep. You'll get actually what you've paid for out of them. I, I guarantee you, like, make the call. See how many people. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, 100%. Uh, you know, Dan and I have been in this industry a long time, and I've gotten to go to a couple of uh, audio manufacturers, like their their headquarters here in the U.S., and one of them I got to listen to uh, a pair of Nautilus from Bowers & Wilkins, and they had a pair of 800s in a, in a room that was fairly large, but talking with their head engineer there, that room was completely decoupled from... Wow, the rest of the the building. That's awesome. They they build it off of uh, off of like essentially additional walls inside of a room. Yep. Uh, they raise the floor up a little bit. It was incredible. But you go into the rooms with the Nautilus, and you're expecting kind of the same thing, and it wasn't. It was a room that was maybe seven by ten, and they had these huge sound panels in the corner, and it was just one chair and a pair of speakers. <laughs> That's awesome. And sound, pa- sound panels all around. The room was not decoupled, but the room was built around the speakers. Interesting. Uh, and to this day, probably some of the best speakers I've ever heard. And I've heard some pretty good ones. So, um, <laughs> but a lot of it was probably the room as well. Yeah. And on the pro side, you see this all the time. You cannot go into a recording studio without panels. That it just doesn't happen, nope. whether it's a recording facility, a mixing facility, a mastering facility. Everybody knows that if you don't take care of those reflections, that you're going to make mistakes in your mixing and your recording and in your mastering process. And nobody wants to do that. And especially for video games. Um, and there's a little bit of this, I think, with headphones. And I don't game with headphones on, uh, so I'll use my, my regular system for it. Um, but I know a lot of guys will, will game with headphones on and I don't have an issue with it in the sense that they've eliminated the room as a factor to be quite honest. They're just going, they're not getting that sense of space. And I understand that there's a trade off there, but you don't necessarily need as many reflections because you're in your own world with the sound. And that's kind of what acoustic panels are really doing, uh, in a space. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. I mean, I do for the most part, if it's a, you know, a story driven game, I might use my main system. But in most cases, if I'm playing with my friends or something along those lines, multiplayer type stuff, headphones have become the norm. Um, so that's actually, I've never really thought of it that way, but you're kind of eliminating the room from the space. And you get a much cleaner, more accurate, and now you're immersed yep. and now you're in it and you yep. don't have, you know, your dog bark, your neighbors coming home from work, whatever, all that stuff becomes eliminated and you can get focused in on shooting zombies or <laughs> whatever, it whatever is it is that you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So we've talked a lot about upgrading audio and so let's kind of shift a little bit. Let's go to video 
uh, sure. specifically uh, surround sound rooms. And let's think about, let's say we have an integrated amp. We've got a pair of speakers and a sub and a nice line conditioner. And we want to take this to the next level and incorporate a television and mm-hmm. uh, maybe take us down that pathway. What would be the way that you would add that piece? Sure. Sure. So there's a couple ways that we can talk about it. So if your in game is surround sound, then we need to obviously look at something that's going to be able to fully process and power at minimum five speakers. Um, I'm telling most folks seven, Yep. you know, not 7.1, but 5.1.2 reference our Atmos episode that we've discussed earlier. Um, because every receiver for the most part is going to have that functionality. Um, but when I'm looking at a receiver, if I'm upgrading from a stereo to, to surround sound, uh, I'm looking for an AV receiver that's going to have those same pre-out capabilities that we discussed with about, about earlier, because if I got a really good integrated amplifier and I want to be, you know, I want to kind of still utilize that, I can essentially utilize that amplification just kind of try to take the volume control out of it if you want to mm-hmm. for now, if it's something that you spent a good amount of money and it's one of those 200 watt integrated amps. And a lot of times that, that unit may even have a home theater bypass. Which, I was going to say most of them do. Yep. And it's not too difficult. You'll see on some of the nicer ones, there's a 12 volt trigger, which is a little uh, mono or stereo cable that looks like a headphone adapter and it connects two pieces of gear. So when one clicks on, the other clicks on, yep. and a lot of your nicer receivers are going to have that because they're going to sync with projectors and screens, and this 12-volt trigger wire is the thing that does that. Um, so anyway, keep going. Yeah. No, and that's that's uh, you know that kind of gets your, your amplification, or at least for a few channels of audio, squared away. So if you've got a really nice pair of speakers, and now we need to add to this, we can utilize that integrated amp to, to continue to drive those speakers for the power side um, of things. And then now we can add additional power or utilize that AV receiver with the pre-outs to power the additional speakers. This is how I ran my main system for years. Sure. I had a AV receiver that powered my center channel and my rear speakers and my Atmos channels and my two channel amp powered my mains. Yep. And uh, I did that until really until last year. And by mains, it's the left and right. Left and right, yeah. Left yep. and right it, main speakers. Yeah. Um, so with that, you know, we can, since we brought up speakers, depending on the level of speakers and what your budget is when you're upgrading, those speakers can main can stay your main speakers or they can become your rear speakers. Yep. Um, a lot of times we'll have folks that come in saying, I want surround sound. And we would say, hey, yes, you want surround sound eventually. Let's go ahead and get you an AV receiver with pre-outs. Let's, so let's assume that you didn't have the yep. integrated amp. Sure. Let's go ahead and get you an AV receiver with pre-outs and a really good pair of speakers. Because that pair, really good pair of speakers is going to sound way better than the five-channel five package that we sell. Yep. That, we, that we got. <laughs> you know, you could, I mean, even to this day, our old boss, he's in Houston now. Um, he still runs stereo for the most part. He has an $8,000 pair of speakers that, you know, when he has something in surround sound, it just downgrades the stereo, but he gets a better image in his opinion through those pair of speakers than he would having a, a more basic center channel and rear speaker. So 
Um, when we're talking about that, that would be the first direction I would go. AV receiver, pre-outs for, for the ability to add more amplification and, um, you know, a really good pair of speakers. If the budget doesn't allow for that, AV receiver with pre-outs, whatever your, your budget is, knowing that those speakers that are now currently your fronts will move to the rear yep. and giving you a better, you know, when you have the money to put more into your front stage, your left, right, and center. Yeah, and, and I like that you said it that way. It's, I cannot tell you the number of folks that we did this with. They started with a $500 set of speakers and a nice receiver. And then we came back in, you know, eight months and we added a center channel and then we added those fronts in another year and a half became the rear channels and we upgraded to big towers in the front. So the mains became a lot stronger and uh, we got better music out of it as a result of that. Um, and then uh, that same client came back in another six months and we added the subwoofer. And so now he had a really fantastic 5.1 and he kept the brand the same. And yep. this is one of those things that I'm really thankful that a lot of audio manufacturers do, which is they do what's called timbre matching. Um, and timbre uh, is the sound or tone of the speaker. It's the thing that makes a Bose speaker sound like a Bose speaker or a Martin Logan sound like a Martin Logan or a Kef sound like a Kef. They all have kind of this sonic profile or sound profile that they sound like this. So if you have a pair of Kef bookshelves, let's say that you have a pair of R3s, mm -hmm. just to call out the model for no reason, and <laughs> I want to put those in the back as my rears and upgrade to R11s in the front. Guess what? They're going to sound really good because they're going to have very similar tweeters. They're going to have very similar mid-range drivers. They're going to have very similar low mids. The cabinets are going to be very similar. Now, you're going to get more out of the R11s. There's no question about it. But when you talk about getting that upgrade, I don't want to lose my investment on a great pair of fronts. And so why don't I take those? And those weren't crazy expensive. I think R3s were... A couple two, thousand dollars, two thousand, yeah, twenty, 20 five hundred, whatever the COVID price is now, you know. And so, uh, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Was, yeah, <Yep. laughs> that's a can of worms. Uh, but that being said, we need to think really about maintaining those dollars. If you think about a ten-year purchase plan, okay, those go to the back. Awesome. I'm not going to ever lose those speakers. They're going to last me for twenty years. So let's just say it's 2,500 bucks and I run those for 25 years. What did I spend on speakers? A hundred dollars a year? Yeah. Like, it, and I'm not trying to make a, a dollars and cents argument for no reason. That's how you think about audio. There yep. isn't a new set in two years that comes out that replaces the old ones that invalidates how good the old ones sounded. They still sound good. And everybody intuitively knows it to go back to what we said before, go to someone's garage. Look at a pair of speakers that's sitting in their garage that are still workable and people don't throw them out. And it's like, well, they're still good and they still sound good. And so I want to yep. keep them. Yep. So, yeah. And I mean, and, you know, recently, you know, since you brought up Kef for no reason, uh, Kef just recently revamped a lot of their speakers to a meta line, which yep. um, they added meta material to uh, some of their speakers. We should have someone on to talk about that. We, we should. Um. But the cool thing was is that they released the new speakers in the same finishes as the old ones. So even if you 
happened to have bought a pair of R3s and then the R Meta series comes out, a lot of times you don't have to worry about them matching physically. You know, right. you can move those to the rears and the new R11 Metas are going to be the same gloss black finish that you had for the fronts, even though it was a different series. So, you know, you made the call out. Uh, there's a lot of vendors that, that do work. Exactly. They and, and most of of the good ones do that because they know intuitively because they've had that conversation themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to drop 20 grand all at once. But let's do five here. Let's do three there. Let's do seven over here. And over that 20-year period, you build up a system again over time. Yeah, yeah. And I think our, our, you know, you see our point, right? Like, this isn't a TV. TVs change, heck, every eight months. There's something new coming out with TV technology. Audio, you have to think 10 to 20 years. I still have my second pair of speakers. My, those first pairs that we mentioned earlier, they unfortunately started deteriorating because the quality of all the other components, the speakers were fine, but the connections and everything on the back were just falling apart because they use cheap stuff. But my second pair of speakers that I bought in 2010 or 13 years or 2011, 12, 13 years old. And they're, they're my brothers now because I don't have room for them in my house (laughs) because I have too many speakers. I have speakers in boxes. Um, But my point is, is that our point is, is that, it's going to last you forever, you know, or you'll eventually move them to a room or give them to a family member. And that, in my opinion, is super important. Like that, something that, you know, my grandmother, she gave me one of our, her Gibson guitars. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. And while it's not a speaker, it's still, you know, an audio component. And I think that's just something that to me, there's a lot there that kind of touches me emotionally so like audio adds more than just a physical thing i think there's a lot of emotion behind it a lot of us have talked about how it's a time machine right that is correct so um yeah and i i would second that my dad has uh a mac integrated tuner from 1972 or 1973 or something along those lines um and i've told him and i've told all the family that uh, if and when the day comes that is the piece that I want, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it's not for, you know, another hundred years. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, my point, like, it's like that's the thing that is that legacy piece. And it still sounds good and you can still hook up speakers to it. And to your your, your point, it's 100 percent an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. So I have to share this story. I had a, a customer of mine who is. Uh, from another country, um, he came to America. I want to say like fifty years ago. Uh, and for the sake of the story, it may—I don't worry about the dates. But he came to America for the first time. Uh, he came from Korea, and his friend who sponsored him, his dad gave him a Macintosh stereo, um, and he always wanted to repay that debt, and it was unbelievable. Uh, 50 years later, he comes into the store and he goes, the time has come for me to repay the gift that was given to me. And he ended up buying a Mac integrated and gifting it back to his friend Wow! as a way of saying thank you and as a way of showing honor. And you don't think about 
stereo components traditionally in that way. But it was such an amazing thing to be part of that because you start to realize that music is what connects us. Music is that emotionally driven experience in so many ways. And uh, it was a honor, quite honestly, just to be part of it. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> I punched some things in and like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like he knew what he wanted when he walked in. And it yep. was like, but just to be part of that story and just to see that level of respect and honor given. And it was over a stereo, right? right. And it, it was absolutely, absolutely fantastic. All right. So you touched on TVs as, the, as if they change. Yep. So how do you upgrade video? Uh, buy a new one. Uh, I mean, they just, yep. I, you know, I, I will say, you know, several years ago, Samsung, uh, had a, it was right when they were it was before, right before the one connect box, which I actually, if, depending on what they do with this one connect box at some point, cause I'm kind of hoping that they do this, but I, I had a Samsung 60 inch F 8,500 plasma television. It was their last plasma TV. Those Still things have it. are awesome. It's actually, actually my mother-in-law's now. Uh, um, but on the back of this TV next to the inputs wasn't a connection for an evolution kit. Yep. And their plan was, is that if there was a newer smart, you know, brain or a newer HDMI input that they could just essentially you buy this evolution kit and you plug it in. And they, they got away from it after like two years. I don't even know if we even sold the Evolution kit itself. Yeah. That's when the One Connect box came out. And I'm thinking that would be cool. Like, hey, I've got a 4K 120 display. Maybe at some point I could come up with an upgrade box for that. But unfortunately, it just isn't there. So a lot of cases with, with video on televisions, there's not a lot of upgradability, unfortunately. It just gets moved to another room. Well, and that's what I was going to say is you you said it without saying it, which is it's at my mother-in-law's house, yep. which is how you upgrade your television. And so we see it all the time. If you've got a TV, you do the shuffle. So if I want to upgrade my main, then great. Then that used What used to be my main TV goes into a bedroom or into a, a den or some other place or something along those lines. Well, a couple of years goes by, a new TV comes out, and it's like, all right, we want to upgrade again. So you upgrade to a new TV, and then you take the one from the bedroom and you move it to the gym, and then you take the one that used to be your main and goes. And so, it as long as the TV's still working, you're you're off to the races. Yep. And as you look over that ten or fifteen year period, most folks are going to move a couple of times in that space, and so then you start to think like, oh, I've got a space for this out in my garage. Oh, I've got a space for this in the upstairs bonus room. Oh, I've got a space for this. And so you don't really lose. I understand you can't upgrade the piece itself, but you can still grow your systems. And so in that same strategy, I've got an old pair of speakers and an older receiver. Why don't I take that older receiver and system that I used to have and let's put that in the in the in the bedroom and or in the bonus room or whatever it happens yep. to be and yep. My favorite example of this is I've got a client with seven surround sound systems over two homes because <laughs> <laughs> he likes this stuff. Like, it's a passion. It's a yeah. hobby. Yeah. And we have the conversation. He goes, I'm going to take these speakers and we'll use this receiver and we'll take that down to the lake. And I'm going to use these ones upstairs and this is going to go in the man cave and that's going to be in the living room. And like, but you know what? When he has a party and things are rocking and it's game time 
I mean, he's he's a a really big football fan. Man, you can go anywhere in the house and have an awesome time. And these kids, the kids can be over there, and the adults can be over here, and your in laws can be over there if you don't like them or whatever. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah, and everybody can still have a good time. Like, so don't throw it away. Like, use it. Right, right. No, it's uh, it. I mean, I still have a plasma, a Panasonic plasma TV in my garage. Yep. <laughs> that was my first TV that I bought after I graduated from college because you know that was a big deal. Before that, I had a Sanyo tube television. Right. You know, a college TV. Um, now I know we've been talking about televisions, but there is another part of video and projection, and that is somewhere where we can talk about upgrades, upgrades, right? So, um, and our projector projection episode, we've talked about earlier, um, and we probably mentioned a little bit, but screen material is very important. Yep. Um, so when folks come in and they talk about, Hey, I want to do a theater room. Where do I put most of my money? In the screen. Right. Because you're going to you know, marry that screen, right? It's going to be there for the life of that space. You know, screen materials don't typically upgrade that often. I mean. Yeah. I, maybe once every 10 or 20 years. I mean, if I was to look at Stuart film screen as the case point example, I mean, and yes, they do continually upgrade Studio Tech line and Firehawk lines and things like that. So there is a lot of R&D that goes into it. But you're talking about an eight-year or 10-year R&D process for you to see significant improvement to get to a place where you're going to have an improved screen. And again, going back to the speaker idea, it doesn't mean the old screen was bad. It just means that the new one is better. Mm-hmm. And so the old screen is still going to rock. Yep. The way it's supposed to and work the way that it's supposed to right. for years and years and years. Right, right. So when you're looking at a projection system, your screen's what you're watching. So put your money into that, knowing that projectors, just like TVs, are upgrading a lot quicker than they used to. Uh, I mean, today is, Cedia uh, is actually starting today. So I talked with one of our vendors earlier, and they are actually releasing a new screen material that... Uh, I think it's pretty cool, um, but it's the first time that they've upgraded screen material since I've worked with them. Sure. Uh, outside of one other material, I guess, but whatever. Projectors, I mean, heck, we've, in the past three years, manufacturers like Sony and JVC have upgraded two or three times, you know, most recently to a laser lineup to kind of, you know, get rid of the replacing the bulb type thing. But still, you know, you see a projector released every one and a half to two years where it used to be five to seven years. Yep. So when it comes down to it, put your money into your screen, upgrade everything else around that. Yep. Right. I I would agree with that a thousand percent. And I'm glad you brought up Sony and I'm glad you brought up JVC. Obviously Epson is another really big player. Mm -hmm. Yep. And all three of them make awesome 1080 projectors. And I can't tell you the number of times uh, we would put together a room for somebody and it's happened probably three or four times where you go back a few years, and I want to say five, six years now, seven years, and they had a 1080 projector. It was very reasonably priced. I think we spent two to $3,000 on it. There was a cost. Mm-hmm. It was a nice piece. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we ran it for five, six, seven years, and then they came back and they said, you know, we want to upgrade to 4K. Great. Well, the only thing that we're doing is we're buying a projector, uh, maybe updating your control system to work with whatever it is that you have, and now you've got a 4K room 
that is got a laser light source and you're completely and totally up to date in technology and nothing else really had to change. Uh, everything in that room is now going to come to life. You're going to rewatch all of your favorites. You're going to see them all in 4K, Ultra HD with Dolby Vision and all those kinds of things. And yep. uh, you're, you're going to bring that, that room up another level uh, because you've upgraded, again, think about it, the source. Um, yep. You've upgraded a source. Um, so we, we really do want to think, again, long-term. And projectors are built to last seven, eight, ten years. Yep. So even though we're seeing upgrade... I'm not saying upgrade in 18 months. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, like buy a good projector and run it for seven, eight, ten years and then go ahead and upgrade. But you still don't even have to upgrade your screen at that point. No, no. You've still got that screen that you put, you know, your initial investment in. It's a long term investment, just like speakers are. You're not going to, you know, replace the screen every time that you replace the projector. Um, so now a really good screen, depending on the light in the space. You know, it's going to cost you, you know, three to five thousand dollars, depending on the type of room. You know, if you've got light that you need to compete with, things like that. Um, but that's one investment that you'll make now that you won't have to make when you want to replace that projector. Well, and I I do think it's important then to to think about the other upgrades that are available, and that could be seating. Yep. Um, you could also do lighting. Uh, so this is one of those things that is uh, nice to have, but not a need to have. Mm -hmm. And so if you're thinking about what could I do in terms of upgrade and you have a dedicated room, um, I have no opposition to improving the aesthetics of it. And you mentioned paint and everybody knows how much of a coat of paint is going to bring a room back to life and it's going to make things feel fresh and new and clean and all that other kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, you start thinking about all of the other things that you can do to upgrade. You can put a mini fridge in the back and add a bar, and you can do some of those additionals that uh, bring the space uh, to life. And it's not just the gear anymore, because you've already got the gear, and it's good to go, and so you've got a great experience. Um, but there's all those extra things that just sort of uh, kind of round it out and finish out the room. So like, comment, subscribe. Thank you very much for watching and listening. See you on the next episode. Bye.